What's up, guys, and welcome to another Gaming History 101 mini podcast hosted by yours truly, uh, Fred Rojas. Um, this will be the second one in a row we've done week after week. I, I don't think I can keep this up, but I hope to. So I, I do apologize. This is being recorded very late on Friday evening, right before I go to start a retro game night. But I wanted to get this in, and I wanted to try to get it posted live, even though for most of you, it'll technically go live Saturday morning. Um this week, uh, the suggestion comes in from listener Neo Jake. He's the one who does our theme song, and it is none other than Myst. Uh, Myst is an interesting game. Very polarizing. I think some people who were around when the game came out in 93 would probably tell you uh, many feared it was the end of traditional video games. Uh, we'll discuss it a little bit in this show, but uh, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those games that uh, is very similar to basically what the Endless Runner was to um, iOS gaming, or iOS gaming as a whole. People thought it would, it would break way to this new way of playing video games. FMV kind of started it, and this continued it, and that maybe traditional video games would be gone forever. We know that's not true, and it is also actually one of the biggest reasons why I tell people um, it, it probably never will be true. Um, but nonetheless... Mist is a very pivotal game, and it, it has occurred to me that I think much like many games we've talked about before in Gaming History 101, it might have outlived its ability to be quite playable to many people. Sure, there are people who will come along and play it, or some of its other versions like Real Mist, um, but in the grand scheme of things, it was a predominantly nostalgia game, and uh, I, I have a hard time believing a lot of people would quote-unquote put up with it these days so i figured why not make a show about it we'll spend about a half an hour we'll talk about what's significant about it where it came about and kind of what happens in the game so that maybe you can talk about mist in, in kind of a google smart kind of way where you know what's going on but you've not really experienced it yourself anyway tell me what you think about this maybe we can do it for more games that are not suited for so-called game clubs or some sort of you know immediate uh, dissection on gaming history 101 so anyway without further ado let's let's break into mist so the game released on uh, September 24th, 1993 by developer Cyan. And in truth, Cyan has really only worked with Myst-style games uh, since. Um, but uh, it's one of the first CD-ROM games. If you've never seen the video, most of the video in the game, in fact, almost all of it, are in these books. And uh, this video is, it, I literally call it postage stamp because that's what it is. It's its like a 160 by 160 frame uh, that for all intents and purposes could be a, an animated GIF these days or GIF depending on what side of that line you live on. Um, but by 2003, Myst had more than 6 million sales for that software alone and twice that many for the entire franchise. Um, and And it should be noted, and we talked about this in the CD-ROM episode, uh, it's seen alongside the seventh guest as the CD-ROM's quote-unquote killer app. This would come bundled with CD-ROMs to prove why you needed them in your PCs, and it worked. Um, so let's get a little bit into the development. Uh, development began in 1991 by brothers Rand and Robin Miller. Um, they were the headliners of the creative team, but they weren't alone. Uh, in addition, there was uh, Chris Brandcamp, uh, Chuck Carter, Richard Watson, Bonnie McDowell, and Ryan Miller. These people made up the Cyan team, and up to this point, they were a developer of predominantly uh, kids' titles. In fact, not predominantly, solely kids' titles. Uh, that's all they made were kid games. Um, Mist was to be different. Mist was to be 
a very simple interface with a large series of logic puzzles that could potentially be solvable by younger audiences, but definitely appropriate for adults as well. And in my mind, uh, I do think that Myst is one of those few games that you probably need to be a teenager at least. I could be wrong, though. Uh, but I was when it came out in 1993. When it first came out, I didn't get it. But in 95, we got it with our CD-ROM game. And at that time, I was 13 years old. Uh, maybe that's not considered a teenager, but it was definitely old enough for those puzzles. So anyway, regardless, it was kind of a jack-of-all-trades. It was as interesting to me as it was to my 40-year-old father. Um, and uh, basically... Uh, you know, it is a series of logic puzzles. Uh, the title came from the book uh, The Mysterious Island by Jules Verne, so just in case you ever get into a debate over where that title came from. Um, the puzzles of the ages were developed first. Uh, Myst uses a series of ages, as we'll get into. But these are different kind of realms, almost like parallel dimensions. And these ages and the, the puzzles in them were initially developed. Uh, they focused on terrain, elevation, height, and minutiae, like textures. Uh, textures were a big deal back then, more so than even now, I would say. Um, but the story was definitely secondary. And this is kind of proven when you break the game down. Um... It started off initially as a Mac hypercard title. Um, we've discussed the hypercard stack in that game, in it before, but think of it as the most basic form of the original websites. This is your GeoCity site, right? You can navigate one way or the other, just depending on whether you're up, down, left, right, and you just kind of move around. They were freeze-framed, uh, 3D rendered models. Um, but basically, it then utilized HyperTalk script language for the buttons and QuickTime plugins to create the complete experience. Uh, to get the game to load quickly, lots of compression was added throughout the game, mostly via QuickTime plugins. So that's why QuickTime at the time was so pivotal to making games such as this, and I, I believe Compton's Interactive Encyclopedia and potentially even Seventh Guest to run. I mean, QuickTime was kind of where you went for high-end compression in FMV games of the uh, early to mid-90s. Uh, the game is about as many unique sound effects as it does visuals, which uh, kind of helps it, you know, make a cohesive experience. Originally, the game actually had no soundtrack, but uh, and you can hear it in the background. After testing the ambiance of uh, subtle background music, uh, Chris Brandcamp, who was in charge of most of the sounds and music in there, uh, created a 40-minute synth soundtrack to accompany parts of the game. This soundtrack did become available as a mail-away, and it's seen as a pretty heavy collector's item now. Of course, I don't have it, but, uh, you know, it is readily available if you know where to look. Um, so let's get into what Mist is. So basically, I, I like to refer to Mist as the Mensa of video games. If you're not familiar with Mensa, it's predominantly a uh, kind of a high IQ club for people. You pay, you get a certif you're, you get a test in the mail, you get a certificate. Once it's done, you can up it. Anyway, uh, there's no no linearity whatsoever. It is purely an exploration game with uh, you having to discover everything down to what you're supposed to be doing. Um, almost nothing is explained and definitely nothing involving the puzzles. In fact, a lot of the times when you solve a puzzle, you don't know you've solved it unless you know what you're looking for. Uh, for me, the game took almost 30 hours to complete when I first played it, and the Myst manual actually had lines in the back. Now, at this time, I was kind of a seasoned gamer, so I had you know, a, a series of graph paper and notepads that I pull out. And actually, with my recent playthrough of Snatcher, which you'll kind of hear if you watch the videos, I actually have this notepad and I reference it and stuff. So uh, you definitely needed something to take notes with while playing this game, especially if you're doing it unaided. Um, 
But basically what happens is in the beginning, you, presumably, a man, falls into a fissure and loses track of a mist book. Uh, he ends up on the island of mist. Um, there's lots of exploration, pixel hunting and guessing things. And, uh, and eventually, um, you know, oh, sorry. Uh, and eventually, yeah, sorry, my notes got out of whack. So that's, that's the last thing that I'm talking about before we get into the story. Anyway, uh, so yeah. You fall into a fissure and end up on the land of mist. You get a video of a man speaking to Catherine, his love, about missing books and fears his sons have betrayed him. Um, so right off the bat, uh, this is going to be story, story spoilers, so I should let you know, although there's very little story, uh, and it's not really the point of mist, but hey. Um, but right off the bat, the betrayal of the sons, which you should keep in mind uh, as you play the game, uh, is key. It's explained to you right at the forefront. So logically, and again, the game is a logic puzzle in everything, including its story, you should know not to trust these sons. But uh, basically, he discusses how books of power are scattered about and hopefully not needing to use them, how he keeps them in the library and mist. And then you will eventually come across two books in the main library. Um, you'll find a lot of burned books, um, and you will find various references, lots of logs and journals. If you play through the game, you should read it. They're kind of fascinating, and they fill in the story a little bit more. Uh, but you'll meet, uh, eventually in the red book, Sirius. Now, Sirius is one of the, uh, sons. Uh, he's looking for the red pages. Uh, the, the videos are very staticky. You can barely hear what he's saying, but he very clearly tells you in two points. Uh, he's Sirius. Do not assist your his brother in finding blue pages. Assist him in finding red pages. Of course, right when you go across the way to the blue book, you will find the same thing, only reversed. Agonar. Agonar is the other brother. He is looking for the blue pages. He tells you to avoid the red pages and bring him the five blue pages. Um, in both cases, they mention that they are trapped in their books, and this is the way to free them. Uh, both brothers will continue to blame each other for the death of their father, treachery, and warn you not to release the other one. Um, in truth, they are both to blame. They are both in cahoots with one another and then struggled for power amidst one another, and neither should be trusted. Um, there are lots of obtuse puzzles, and each time you solve one, it kind of leads to another you don't understand. Plus, there are puzzles that transcend the ages, which makes it even more complicating. And frankly, I don't even know where I had the patience beforehand, but it's definitely where you'll lose the patience now. Like, if you ever had a what-the-fuck moment and went to check a guide after 20 minutes, this game will ruin and all of that <laughs> anyway uh but you will eventually dis discover well at least hopefully you will discover um that there are different books to unlock the different ages there are four ages in truth in main mist um and uh we'll, we'll talk about them very briefly um so uh, just so you get the feeling for the island of mist it is uh kind of what you would expect it has a harbor with a major boat when you're over there you hear gulls and the ocean and everything like that uh the main library is in this big old you know kind of library looking if you've ever been to a university it's what every library looks like it's nice and beautiful with hardwood floors and lots of books and then surrounding that is a little bit of woodland areas and then various different things such as there is a telescope that is complete with um with a map to the stars and a, and a seat you can sit in. Um, there is a gear, which actually leads to uh, the book to another age, which I'll get to. But uh, just so we're clear, I believe it leads to mechanical. Anyway, um, 
And, uh, and then there's also a tower where when you change its rotation and what it's focusing on can allow you to get to certain ages. And of course there is a series of boxes with switches, which is the secret to the one minute, 26 second speed run. You can see so delightfully on YouTube at any time you want to. Anyway, so uh, here are the ages in no particular order, and they're definitely not in the order in which you'll find them, although I don't know that it matters what order you go in. I can't recall anymore if you need to go to one in certain orders. I know Mechanical is the first one I found. But anyway, the first one is Solentic. Uh, Solentic is considered to be moon-like. It has, I believe, Greek um, past in, in its naming. Um, but, uh, this is probably the most difficult age. This is the age with all the music puzzles and almost, uh, anybody who has actually played the game to its completion and or given up on the game probably did so in Solentic. Uh, there is a particular keyboard puzzle that I, I think I had someone do for me to get through it. Um, the next one is Stone Ship, uh, appropriately named because it's basically a lighthouse with a shipwreck that has been infused with stone. This is one of the more, uh, I guess I would say foreboding areas, although Channel Wood kind of lives there too. Um, but, uh, it's one of the more foreboding areas. It feels very bare bones. It feels like if you're going to have any encounters, it'll probably be here. Now I should point out, and I should have done it earlier, Mist has no encounters. There are no attacks, no violence, no death state, save endings, and definitely no, uh, fail states, uh, save for the endings. You can get different endings basically. And, uh, it's, it's not an action game. It is through and through a thinking man's game. Uh, next up is Mechanical, probably the coolest of the worlds in my opinion. It's a rotating fortress in the center, has a very renaissance feel. Uh, there's even a throne you can sit on, and there's lots of mechanical and electrical puzzles and whatnot. These were the ones that made the most sense to me, even though I'm sure somebody somewhere said it wrecked their brain. Um, and Channelwood. Uh, it's a tree-based hut village uh, with uh, some nonsense talking spirits. I just remember every dude in this game has a goatee. Uh, kind of a trimmed goatee and so and most of them are chubby which is pretty consistent with you know game developers of the mid 90s in silicon valley but hey and i don't even know if scions from there but anyway um there's always there's there's a bunch of like it almost looks aboriginal uh you know decorations and whatnot in these tree huts and and the guy's always saying like and it's it's very archaic and maybe there was a puzzle in there somewhere but i i figured them out by hook or by crook not by actually doing them the right way um and basically i i just think it's the ewok village from endor recreated and repurposed um and in all of these four areas there is a blue page and a red page and as you continue to fetch these pages and bring them back um Agonar and Sirius will uh, become more and more clear and just convince, try to convince you more and more that the other brother is to blame for the father's death and to let them out, and they will assist them. They also say to be very careful to avoid letting the other one out because he can trap you in a book or something like that. So, you know, you got to be very careful. But basically, you get to the very end, and regardless of who it is, whoever you get four pages first will tell you that the final solution and page can be found. By looking in the burned book all the way to the right of the middle shelf, there is a pattern, pattern 158 to be specific. Go into the fireplace, close it. There's a, uh, a puzzle where you can type stuff into the kind of liquid metal that's there. If you replicate it in that fireplace, and uh, I put in parentheses, hope you brought graph paper because that's exactly what you're going to need to to uh, to do it correctly. Um, uh, the fireplace rotates around and there is a red page, a blue page, and a green book. 
So here's what you can do. You can take the blue page to Aganar. Um, and uh, if you do, it will switch places with him. And you will see him in the library and you trapped in the book. He will laugh maniacally and start ripping the pages to trap you. Because when you complete these books, it allows the portal for you to jump back and forth in them. And the red book and the blue book are specifically traps. As opposed to the other books, which as you've seen, take you to different worlds. Um, the same can be true for Sirius. Sirius pops out and he talks about how his diabolical plan can come to pass. Yada, yada, yada. He laughs at you, starts tearing pages, and you get stuck. These are considered fail states. It's not beating the game. Um... You know, uh, hope you saved before you did that, but, uh, these will both be failures and not considered the true ending. Um, now the green book is interesting because if you click on that, you get to see a vision of Atris, and he's the guy from the beginning of the game who was talking to his love. He's the father to Sirius and Agonar, uh, and he's trapped in Denai. Uh, I think it's Denai. It's D apostrophe N-I, but I think it's, or is it Denis? Maybe it's Denis. Denay? I don't know. Anyway. He pronounces it in a different, an interesting way. I always say deny. Um, but he tells you that the books that grant a very, er, he tells the tale of books that grant a various powers and the fact that he, that he kept the trap-like nature of the red and the blue books from his sons. And, uh, they envisioned power and riches with the books and trapped him in the green book, which is the portal to deny and ripped a page out. He needs that one page to make the book full and return. Um, if you do not bring him this page, uh, so, so he, he gives you the option. He says, go get the page for me, but he tells you no idea where it is. So if you do not bring him that page and you click on it, you will go to deny and, uh, he will explain to you that you're trapped for all eternity. And then you can do essentially nothing. If you click on the book, it won't take you away. If you click on him, he doesn't do anything and he will just consider, continue to sit in his desk. Um, just scribbling away at whatever he was scribbling at. What's interesting is this is the only area where you're not looking at a little postage stamp. You're looking at a full screen image of, uh, of him, probably the most expensive shot in the whole game. Um, of course, uh, this is what you can instead do is go get the page. Now the page, and this is why you can speed run this game is if you walk, um, if you walk uh, to the page, which is the box right next to the harbor where you start. So it was literally right in front of you when you started. And you pull the lever. It opens up. There's a page. You take it back to Atris in the library. And uh, he says he's going to go back to Mi Mist to take care of his sons and he'll be right back. He will return shortly afterwards, 10, 15 seconds later, and tell you that he is giving you the library and Mist but that he has continuing um, tasks at hand, including getting his wife out from being trapped, and that he will need you someday soon. Um, you are then free to roam mist as you see fit, but the game is essentially over. Now, if you go out and look in the library, where the red and the blue book were are now just burn marks, so it can be led to reason that Atris destroyed his sons. So yeah, that's missed. That's what it is. But again, that, that's just the plot. That doesn't begin to tell you a hint of the many, many, many brain bending puzzles that are in this game. And you're either going to dig that or you're not. And it's not a big risk to try it. It's probably three bucks on good old games, but hey. Um, Mist was ported all over the place. It had ports on the Amiga, Windows 95 slash DOS. It was on the 3DO. It was on the Jaguar CD. It was on the PS1. It was on the Sega Saturn around the time of its release. 
But I think the PS1 and Saturn versions, no, I think those were available in America. Um, they might have, the Saturn one might have been Japan only, but anyway. Uh, but I doubt that because I think Riven, the sequel to Mist, which is a clever title, um, uh, did come out on the Saturn and PlayStation 1 as well. So I think it came out on everything. Uh, it would later be ported to PSP, DS, 3DS, and iOS Android in the 2000s. Perhaps the biggest misstep of any of these ports was the lack of touchscreen uh, functionality on the DS version. And this made zero sense as a point-and-click adventure game. Uh, and then on the 3DS, which was recently released, like last year, it screws up again. The touchscreen is available, but only to move the cursor on the top screen. All the graphics are on the top screen. The bottom screen has nothing. So you are using the stylus to move a cursor on the top screen why not use the d-pad then so this is ridiculous it's stupid i have no idea who thought these ports were a good idea but as a result those are the most hated versions of the game uh enhanced editions were also released uh the masterpiece edition real mist and of course the real mist masterpiece edition now the masterpiece edition came out in may 2000 it is on good old games if you want that version as well uh it upgraded performance it brought visuals from 20 or from 8-bit color to 24 bit color um it uh, updated the visuals updated some sound effects and re-recorded some of the fmv so it's just kind of again the masterpiece edition uh then there was real mist real mist was a little bit more of an achievement came out about six months later in november 2000 january 2002 on the mac took a little while to make its way over there and it's a real-time rendered 3d remake of the game mist Uh, game allows free roaming and real environments weather effects story updates to retroactively fix loopholes in the later stories added a fifth age known as rhyme as well as an extended ending Unfortunately, the game was very taxing on machines at the time, ran very poorly with low frame rates. Nowadays, you won't have that problem. Real Mist is also available on good old games. And last but not least, released uh, just about a year ago, February of 2014, was Real Mist Masterpiece Edition. Uh, Came out on Steam as well as iOS and Android devices. Uh, Recreated the game in Unity to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the title. Uh, With PC requirements of dual, even quad-core processors, up to 8 gigs of RAM and 1 gig graphics cards. The game is no slouch on system resources, but it's been quite positively received. I have not played it on mobile devices, so I don't know how much better or worse it is. Um... But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to experience Mist nowadays. Many people say that the uh, Real Mist Masterpiece Edition is probably the best way to go if you've never played it before. But then again, we are talking a $20 game, so it might be a pretty high-risk thing. Anyway, and if you're really just not wanting to play it at all and this isn't enough for you, um, or you want to see some of the puzzles firsthand, there is a fantastic playthrough on YouTube, and it's one of the only ones. It's roughly 200 minutes long. Uh, and the guy just runs through it in about two and a half hours. Or no, it's two hours and nine minutes long, so it's actually 129 minutes long. Take that back, not 200 minutes. Anyway. Um, Mist also spawned four direct sequels, Riven, Exile, Revelation, and The End of Ages. These were all appropriately named Riven, the sequel to Mist, Mist 3, Exile, Mist 4, Revelation, and Mist 5, The End of Ages. Riven came out in 97, Exile in 2001, Revelation in 2004, and End of Ages in 2005. In addition, an online version of Mist entitled Uru was released, although the touted multiplayer component that was basically going to make it an MMO was originally cut. Uh, but then it was re-released as Mist Online Uru Live. It's a free-to-play game, and it's available even now. Go to mistonline.com, and you friends can play it for free. 
There's also the Mist Reader trilogy, which are a series of books, the books of uh, the book of Atris, the book of Tiana, and the book of Denai, that provide a uh, much more backstory into the series. Um, I be- there are more ages of, amidst the the sequels of Mist, but it's very interesting how it all stays as one cohesive whole. Uh, Revolving, as far as I know, although I've never played any of the sequels, revolving around the uh, the books of of different ages in the library, and then of course I would be remiss if I didn't close on probably the uh, one of the more notable parts of Mist that that is definitely a, t- a, a speak to the ages, but is the parody Pissed P Y S T. It was released in 1996 to Windows 95 DOS platforms only. It starred John Goodman. It had no puzzles and it was, it was amusing to those that didn't know. It was kind of a comedy game and, and frankly it has no real value today, but it was basically the, the world of mist all vandalized and defaced by frustrated mist players who couldn't figure out the puzzles. So it was kind of amusing. Maybe someone some out there somewhere. I didn't look it up on YouTube has, has seen pissed and, uh, has played through it. If not, uh, it's probably not worth the effort to get it to run. But anyway, in a nutshell, this this is what mist is this is what it meant and uh, this is kind of why it's pivotal again it's a heavy nostalgia game but there is no denying uh the fascination of the game at the time and uh kind of the impressive factor of a lot of these puzzles it was a sandbox of very thought-provoking puzzles anyway without further ado we're going to call this to a close be sure to listen to gaming history 101 live every tuesday night on allgames.com at 7 p.m eastern standard time um and definitely check us out at GamingHistory101.com where we are doing posts daily uh, that include everything from uh, you know opinion pieces to blog posts to reviews to videos to articles and whatnot, including the video I'm about to do, which is called Retro Game Night. I do these every Friday, and I've recently changed it. I am now doing kind of a quick look for the first 30 minutes and then spending uh, an hour or two beyond that trying to beat the newest game that I'm going through and just trying to knock my backlog out, which I've got a lifetime's worth. Anyway, Without further ado, this is Fred Rojas saying peace out.